Well, that goes very well with what I'm going to say. Let's pray and we'll get to it. Holy God, we are grateful for grandparents. We're grateful for parents. We're grateful for aunts and uncles. We're grateful for kids. We're grateful for teenagers. Lord, you in your divine wisdom have put together the family of God. It is uh, perfect wisdom, and we get to reside in that. We want to journey with our families well, and so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears, open our eyes uh, to your truth. May we be guided by you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So we're going to continue our journey through what we are calling uh, Family Life Month. This is what I believe should be a new tradition here at Faith Covenant Church where every year uh, we start the year focusing on how each of us can become Christ-like blessings in the families in which God has placed us. Every one of us is part of some family in some way, and each of us is called to participate with God's Holy Spirit in uh, being salt and light in that family and pointing people to the goodness of Jesus Christ. Um, we were very blessed this past Wednesday. We had Dr. Ted Tripp with us uh, to start off Family Life Month. And so what I, one of the things I want to do is I want you to just know that Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights in January, it's all focused on this endeavor. And we're going to be gathering again on this Wednesday night, the rest of the Wednesday nights this month, for a great family meal that you're invited to. You don't have to pay anything. If you want to pitch in a little bit, that's great. But just let us know, RSVP on Realm, or you can call the church office. And uh, then we're going to have teaching from uh, kids to teens to adults all on how we can be Christ-like blessings in the families God has placed us. So please join us on Wednesday night as well. Last week, we began our journey with this main theme. It takes a family of faith to grow a child of faith. And I define child of faith not simply as uh, someone underneath the age of 12 years old, but a child of faith is anyone, no matter the age, who has put their faith in Jesus, who has been born again by His Holy Spirit. And so uh, that person is a, an offspring of faith. <coughs> Excuse me, honey, could you come in that? A uh, uh, a, a child of God. So you can have a, a child of faith who's nine years old or a child of faith who's 90 years old. And so if, let's say your grandma, for the first time, puts her faith in Jesus Christ. Well, she becomes a child of faith. And if you've been walking with the Lord, you get to walk with her in this journey of faith. And kids, if you're here uh, and you're paying attention, and I know you are, uh, you have a dramatic impact on your parents and on your siblings and on their journey of faith. See, we're all in this together. Psalm 78 uh, was our launching point last week. I'd like you to uh, hear it again. It reads like this. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. One of the reasons God has seen fit over the last 2,000 plus years is to anoint uh, local church communities, local families of God to be uh, places 
and communities where we tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Um, and and that, that telling of those deeds is best done in the family of God, the church, but also, even more importantly, at home in your family. And let me tell you why your home life, your, your life with your family, maybe you live alone and you have other contact with family, family members, um, it's always going to be more than my contact with them, always. Sometimes people will say to me, they're like, well, Pastor Brad, you know, I really wish the church would do more for my family. And hear me, we want to do our very best for your family. But guess what? There are 52 Sundays a year, and each of those Sundays, we get together for about one hour. And if you come, let's say you're part of midweek ministry a life here at Faith Covenant Church, you come every one of those 52 weeks in the middle of the weeks at some point. Well, guess what? We've spent 104 hours together, two times a week over a whole year. Compare that to the 24-7 encounters you have with your family. You have far more impact on the children of faith in your life than I ever will. You have far more power, and so we need to equip ourselves to walk this journey well. And it is in light of that that I want to um, look at this passing of the baton of faith with the, uh, the, the visual metaphor of a, a relay race. I was going to use a football game, but I thought that might be too soon, considering what happened last night. <clears throat> We all know how a relay race works, right? Uh, you take the 4x100, uh, four runners, each running a generation of the race or a leg of the race, passing a baton one to another uh, until the finish line. I have a favorite singer. If you were to ask me, Pastor Brad, what are your t if you're stuck on a desert island, uh, what are two artists you would love to be able to listen to while you're stuck on the desert island? One would be uh, Sarah Groves. The other would be Fernando Ortega, if you're interested. Um, Sarah Groves is a Minnesota artist. She's just great. She, she has a song called Generations, and this is what she sings in the chorus. She sings, remind me of this with every decision. Generations will reap what I sow, I can pass on a curse or a blessing to those I will never know. Think for a moment of your own journey. What curses or blessings are you running with in this leg of, the li uh, of your life? All of us, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. I never met my grandmother, Offield Kindle. Uh, but because of the way she instilled faith into her sons, one particular my dad, I live in this leg of the race with a blessing that has been passed down from her to my dad to me. And I, I still haven't met her. I, I will one day. Of course, we have to also ask the question, an important question for today is, what are we passing on to the next generation as we run this leg? What are you passing on? Are you going to pass on a curse or a blessing? Remind, let me remind you of that. With every decision we make, you will pass on a curse or a blessing. How do we do that well? We have to pay attention to this leg of the race. Why? Well, those who run before 
set the pace for those who follow. And if you're a note taker, please take out your notes and follow along. The book of the Bible called uh, 2 Timothy isn't actually a book. It's, it's a, a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy. Uh, and right in the beginning of the letter, uh, Paul does something interesting. He uh, celebrates those who've gone before in instilled faith in Timothy's life. He writes this. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. That's three legs of the journey of Timothy's life. And what's interesting is Paul does not note Timothy's dad. You'd think, well, why doesn't he mention the dad? We don't know. Maybe he died. Uh, maybe he was an abs- absentee father. We, we just don't know. But here's something interesting, and studies have proven this. If one parent uh, dies, um, drives their life into a ditch or something, as long as the other parent or a grandma, grandpa, a significant aunt, uncle, or an older brother or sister, if, if someone in the family uh, is living a faith-filled, a healthy life, that healthy person can still help shepherd that other child of faith through the journey in ways that can bring uh, success according to the ways of God. Uh, so, even though Timothy's dad isn't mentioned, it's highly important that the grandma and the mom were mentioned. What's interesting, too, is if you look at, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. That word sincere in the original language in Greek means unhypocritical faith. Uh, it means honest faith, which means that Timothy's faith that, he, that was passed down generation to generation was not just, you know, general religion. It was not just, you know, kind of a, a, a weekly obligation that his mom and his grandma were a part of. No, they were, a, they were disciples of the living Lord. They, they had poured their lives into following God. And that had been passed down to Timothy. So he too had an unhypocritical, honest faith, like his mom and his grandma. And this, of course, begs the question, who's the Timothy in your life? All of us, I don't care how old you are, you have a Timothy that you have influence upon. Are you setting the pace of a sincere, unhypocritical faith? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? You know, maybe showing up for practice and an eventual track meet, (laughs) but never really committing to the whole team there running this leg of the race. And if you're listening today and your heart's breaking because you're, you're doing your very best to run this leg of the race well, but you're Timothy whoever he or she is, it just doesn't seem like they see it. I just want to encourage you, uh, keep at it, and, and please hear this, you can't run your Timothy's race. In fact, you're not responsible for running Timothy's race. Uh, Timothy is responsible for running their leg of the race. All you can do is run your leg of the race. 
and run it well. And if you do, then you're going to give your Timothy a picture of what it looks like to be devoted to God's Word. You're going to give your Timothy a picture of what it looks like to be led by His Spirit. You'll give your Timothy a picture of what it means to be a servant rather than being selfish. So just worry about the pace that you can set right now. And that's between Timothy and God as to how they will run their leg of the race. Secondly, of course, though, we have to, we have to pay attention to the handoff. A, sex, a successful handoff is the result of a thousand practice runs, isn't it? In 2004, the Olympic Games were held in Athens, Greece. The American women's uh, 4x100 relay race was predicted to be an automatic gold for the American women because they had the legendary Marion Jones running the second leg of the race. Marion Jones already had four gold medals. Jones ran a great second leg of the gold medal race, gaining ground uh, ahead of the other lanes for the Americans. But as the third leg sprinter, Lauren Williams reached back to receive the baton from Jones. Jones just couldn't get it in her hand. Three times Marion Jones tried to put that baton in Lauren Williams' hand, but each time they simply could not connect. And by the time uh, they finally could get it, they had crossed out of that exchange zone, and they were actually disqualified. Now, were they the fastest team on the track? They were. Absolutely, no doubt about it. They had the fastest qualifying time the night before, but because they couldn't complete the handoff, their race was over. And, and an addendum to that story is Marion Jones was later found guilty of uh, steroid use, and so she had to give up all of her gold medals. Lesson learned, you know, the decisions we make they're going to pass on a curse or a blessing. Mary Jones passed on a curse to all of her teammates. My, my point is, yes, it's important to, to run the race, to, to put one foot in front of the other, you know, expeditiously and efficiently, but the crucial handoff, that's also part of the race. A runner can be the first to the exchange box, but unless that exchange actually happens, the next runner cannot proceed successfully. That's why experienced relay runners practice the exchange thousands of times. In ancient Israel, uh, faithful Jews then and now uh, recite the Shema every morning and every evening. It's right out of Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. But the next verse is this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Do you see the imaging here? Make your faith life a thousand passes of the baton, right? 
It can't simply be reserved to your private life or your church attendance on a Sunday morning. No, your faith life has to be passed on a thousand times when you wake up, when you lie down, when you're, when you're in the car, when you're journeying on vacation. Your faith life needs to be seen. And the reality is, as you seek to pass on your faith life to those in your family, it's going to be awkward and it's going to be clumsy because practice is clumsy and awkward. It, you, don't, you aren't perfect in practice. You practice so that you will become more perfect, right? Let me ask you something. Is there something simple in 2020 that you could weave into your daily life with your family that would help them grow, that would, that would be kind of a passing on of the baton? I'll give you two simple examples uh, you could try. Um, one is pray about stuff out loud. Uh, you know, uh, let's say you have someone in your family come to you with something um, they're worried about. What's stopping you, outside of your own fear, from saying, let's pray about that? And then just going right into it. Lord, we, you know, what are they going to do? <laughs> uh, you can do that over and over again. I, I, you know, I, I never, I'll never forget significant times in my life where my dad said, hey, let's pray about this. One, one time in particular, I'll never forget it. You're, you're, uh, just, this is just coming to me right now, actually. Um, when I was in grad school, uh, a person I went to grad school with, I completely forgot about this. I prayed for her uh, for something that she was struggling with. 20 years later, in front of our other students, she recalled that time I prayed with her. When you pray for another person out loud, that makes a profound impact on their life. And you're asking, well, okay, so how's that passing the, the baton? Well, maybe there comes a point as you've, as you've gone through this and practiced that, this that you say, let's pray about this. You start. <laughs> See how easy that is? <laughs> and they might say, I'm not ready to do that. And that's okay. Just keep at it. You know, it, practice is, is awkward. It's clumsy. It's not supposed to be perfect. You can, you can pray for the tough stuff, but you can also, pray, you know, your, your kid or your, your grandchild has a test. They say, hey, let me pray for you. God's fascinated. God is in all the little stuff. And so there's nothing we can't bring to God, Right? The other thing you can do in passing the baton is let your family catch you reading God's Word. Question, do they catch you reading God's Word? Um, if they catch you reading God's Word, they know that you value it. If they don't catch you reading it, they're concerned that maybe you don't value it. Um, maybe you, as you're in God's Word, there comes a time uh, where you, you say on a, a regular basis, hey, uh, God spoke this thing to me. I learned this thing this week. It's really helpful. Uh, I, let me just share it with you. And you just share it. And then you can say, what do you think? And they might say, I think that's dumb. I think it's garbage. I don't believe in God's word. And you're like, okay. Well, you know I do. Tell me why you don't like it. Okay, fine. I don't like it because I think it's a bunch of this. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, why do you think that? What, what brought you to that? Because uh, I, I care very much about you and I value what you think. 
Now, you can say, if, if you have a family member that's like, quit doing that to me. You're like, okay, um, I want you to know that when you learn something really neat, you can share that with me. And um, you know me, you know I like God's word. Um, is it okay that, because I do, that I share that with you? Because I think that would be a way that we can grow in our relationship. So you don't have to agree on it to actually share with it. Share. That's the way good friends, good family members do life. Even though they don't agree, they get to share what they value. All right. And like practice runs again, you know, this is, uh, you're going to be, there'll be times when you wonder, is this worth the effort? But there might be, an, you know, after enough practice that your son or daughter might say to you, well, I wonder what the Bible says about that. Or, uh, uh, shouldn't we pray about that? Or, or th- th- this happens all the time, um, where they're like, they don't necessarily believe, but they know you do, so something's tough, and they're like, hey, uh, can you pray about this? <laughs> I've, I've had that happen. So, make that passing of the baton just a, a something you do every week, every day. Finally, once the handoff has been made, keep cheering, right? I mean, can you imagine a relay team where the, the first leg runner just picks up their stuff and, and goes to the locker room after they pass the baton? That would be considered a bad teammate. <laughs> yeah, no, after the baton is passed, you know, uh, the, 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 the runner stays and cheers no matter how far behind they are, Right? Paul, in his letter to his brothers and his sisters in Thessalonica, he puts it this way. He says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's what cheering looks like, doesn't it? It looks like encouraging, comforting, urging the life of Christ, the life of goodness. You know, even when you're, you're atheist son-in-law or your atheist cousin does something great, you want to encourage that goodness. You want to encourage that, you want to urge them on, continue to to serve in that way, cousin or son-in-law or whoever. You know, cheering, of course, has to be respectful. Guess what? Cheering is not buying a Christian bumper sticker and putting it in the stocking of your atheist (laughs) son-in-law. That is not cheering. Uh, it, it is not uh, taking that quasi-Christian political email that you got and forwarding it to all your unbelieving relatives. That's not what it looks like. No, cheering is actual time, uh, being together, uh, encouraging face-to-face, letting your loved one know, no matter what they believe, you're a raving fan of them. You want the very best for them. You know what? I love, I love the words, I'm proud of you. Aren't those great? Those are just great, great words. I had a, a, a mentor of mine, not a family member, but a mentor of mine uh, last year. He, he just put it on my Facebook page. It was so strange. He just said, I'm proud of you. Oh, my goodness gracious. That still means a lot to me. Could, can you let your family members know you're proud of them or you like them? <laughs> You can even say, I'm thinking about you. Maybe today before you walk out of this room, you even, you even send a text and just say, thinking about how proud I am of you. 
That's a great gift. Those things change lives, don't they? So, I guess my question really is, are you being nudged in any way right now, some practical way that you can cheer on or set the pace or pass, practice passing the baton with your family members? As I ask so often, I got this question from Rick Drank, uh, what is God calling you to do, change, or pray about? Right now, what do you sense any simple urging from the Holy Spirit right now? I like to think every week we help nudge the world toward the direction of Jesus. Uh, I think every week, as the church gathers around the world, we literally help change lives. Because the truth of God's Word and the movement of His Spirit, the one who loves us more than we could ever love ourselves, brings us into the deal of His transformation and redemption and says, I want you to join me and I want you to share goodness and help nudge the world just a little bit. You can do that today. You can do that this week in your family. Setting the pace, practice passing the baton, and cheering everyone on, right? Let's pray. Holy God, uh, it is a gift to be alive. It's a gift to have families. Uh, it is also very hard to have families. Lord, we recognize we uh, have curses and blessings that we walk this life with. And we recognize, God, that you're present as we walk this journey. And uh, this leg of the journey in my life and the church's life, and it's it's between you and us right now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us. We pray that your love and your grace would pour out of us so that hearts in our families, in our world, would be nudged ever so gently and lovingly toward trusting in and believing in you. We're excited, God, about how you're going to use us this week to draw others to yourself. In your name we pray, amen. Good stuff. Uh, hey, if you have anything on your heart that you'd like more prayer for, there'll be some people down front this morning who would love to pray for you. Uh, maybe you want uh, to pray for your Timothy. That'd be great. Uh, also, uh, my wife Jill and I will be out at the blue high-top tables out in the lobby. If you're visiting with us, we have a shameless gift for you. We'd love to greet you and say hi. Uh, please join us Wednesday night for uh, family night uh, at 6.15 for dinner. And I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to leave with a charge from Psalm 78. Now go. Tell the next generation of faith the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. Declare His statutes 
which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation of faith would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, so all would put their trust in God and not forget His deeds, but keep His commands. Go in peace. Have a great week.